0: The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank believes communities thrive when individuals succeed. Working together, we can help create economic opportunity for all. Good morning. I'm James Hellman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, June 18th. In today's news, President Trump announces that mass deportations will begin next week. The Pentagon deploys 1,000 more troops to confront Iran. And Paul Manafort won't go to Rikers after Bill Barr's number two intervenes. But first, the big idea. Here we go again. The president is officially kicking off his bid for a second term tonight with a huge rally in Orlando. As he does, we're getting more details about drama and palace intrigue inside his 2020 campaign. It turns out that a polling firm abruptly axed by the Trump campaign this weekend was founded and formerly owned by Kellyanne Conway, the counselor to the president. Sources say the move to fire the pollster was supported by campaign manager Brad Parscale and Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law, who is trying to play a hands-on role in the reelect. There have long been tensions between Kushner and Conway, and advisors say the purge was primarily orchestrated by Jared and targeted at Kellyanne. For his part, Trump publicly denies the existence of the internal polls that leaked showing him trailing Joe Biden by double digits, even as his campaign team publicly confirmed them. Trump advisors say the president's supporters who are expected to fill the 18,500-seat Amway Center are not paying attention to internal machinations and certainly won't be swayed by early signs of turbulence. They're almost certainly right about that. But bigger picture, as Trump announces, there are fresh indicators of a darkening economic outlook that could undermine the central rationale for giving Trump a second term. The president faces a number of major decisions on trade and the budget in the coming months, just as the U.S. economy faces the biggest headwinds of his tenure, forcing him to decide whether to recalibrate as recession fears mount for next year. Trump has threatened to escalate trade conflicts with China Mexico, the European Union and Japan spooking business leaders and leading some to pull back on investment. Similarly, budget and debt ceiling talks with congressional leaders from both parties have sputtered, raising the possibility of another government shutdown in October. This uncertainty and a cooling global economy led J.P. Morgan Chase to predict yesterday afternoon that there is now a 45 percent chance, a 45 percent chance, that the U.S. economy will enter a recession in the next year. That's up from 20% at the beginning of 2018. Also Monday, a key gauge of New York's manufacturing industry notched the biggest one-month drop ever recorded. The economy's softening and uncertainty around Trump's next actions are causing a delicate situation for the Federal Reserve, which is meeting today and tomorrow. Trump is relying on the central bank to cut interest rates to boost economic growth, but Fed officials are trying to reconcile worrisome reports about the economy with other areas of relative strength, particularly the low unemployment rate and high levels of consumer spending. But the trade wars keep raging, and that's also going to be a consideration. Ahead of the G20 summit in the next few days, India, which probably hasn't been on your radar related to the trade war, lobbed a small but strategic strike against Trump designed to hurt his re-election campaign. They imposed retaliatory tariffs on 28 products that could cause a pinch. Their new penalties run as high as 70 percent, affecting American agricultural goods such as apples, almonds, and walnuts, as well as chemical and finished metal products from the industrial Midwest. India said the move is in response to Trump's decision to revoke India's preferential trade privileges. Though India's actions affect an estimated $241 million in imports, a pittance compared with the numbers involved in the White House's trade battles with China and Mexico, this is another pressure point in an increasingly tense and uncertain global economic outlook. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, in a tweet last night, Trump vowed massive immigration arrests and the removal of, quote, millions of illegal aliens starting early next week. Now, large-scale ice enforcement operations are typically kept secret to avoid tipping off agents. Indeed, last year, Trump threatened the mayor of Oakland, California, with criminal prosecution for alerting city residents that immigration raids were in the works. U.S. officials with knowledge of the preparations have said in recent days that this operation is coming, but they also said it was not imminent. ICE officials said late Monday night that they were not aware that the president planned to divulge in advance their sensitive operational plans over Twitter. Executing a large-scale operation of this type requires hundreds and perhaps thousands of federal agents and supporting law enforcement personnel, as well as weeks of intelligence gathering and planning to verify addresses and locations of individuals who are being targeted for arrest. The president's claim that ICE would be deporting millions also just doesn't add up. It's at odds with the reality of the agency's staffing and budgetary challenges. ICE arrests inside the U.S. have been declining in recent months because so many agents are busy managing the record surge of migrant families at the southern border. Number two, acting Defense Secretary Patrick Shanahan announced that he is sending approximately 1,000 additional troops to the Middle East. Shanahan says it's for defensive purposes to address air, naval, and ground-based threats. This deployment order came a few hours after Iran announced that its stockpile of enriched uranium will surpass limits set by the 2015 international nuclear deal in the next 10 days. Meanwhile, the Europeans are getting more exasperated with the Trump administration's handling of Iran. France, Germany and the European Union believe the U.S. president has put them in an impossible position. And they think that he has made the Iranian threat far worse than it was a year ago for no good reason of the European partners to the nuclear deal. Only Britain so far has accepted that it is almost certain that Iran attached mines to those two oil tankers last week. As the administration tries to present more convincing proof, the Pentagon on Monday released several photographs it says show Iran's involvement more clearly than the grainy video that was released last week. Bottom line, Trump has said repeatedly that his goal in Iran is no nuclear weapons and that he does not want war. But events seem to be quickly moving in the opposite direction on both counts. Number three, Trump's former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, is no longer headed to Rikers Island after Attorney General Bill Barr's number two personally intervened in the case. A letter from Jeff Rosen, Barr's new number two who replaced Rod Rosenstein, indicates that he was monitoring closely where Manafort would be held in New York. Then, on Monday, federal prison officials weighed in, telling the Manhattan District Attorney's Office that Manafort will not be going to Rikers. Instead, he will await his next trial at a federal lockup in Manhattan or potentially at the Pennsylvania Federal Prison where he's serving his seven-and-a-half-year sentence for wide-ranging financial schemes. That's according to the New York Times. Several former and current prosecutors say it's highly unusual, if not unprecedented, for the Deputy Attorney General to weigh in on something like this. Most federal inmates facing state charges are held on Rikers Island. Putting a potential damper on Trump's pardon powers, in a separate move, the U.S. Supreme Court reaffirmed the precedent yesterday that a person can be prosecuted by state and federal authorities for the same offense. The 7-2 ruling rejected arguments that allowing subsequent prosecutions violates the double jeopardy clause in the Bill of Rights, which prohibits more than one prosecution or punishment for the same offense. Justice Sam Alito wrote for the majority, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Neil Gorsuch, a funny duo, dissented. Since the 1850s, the court has allowed an exception to the Constitution's double jeopardy prohibition on the theory that federal and state governments are separate constitutional actors with their own sovereign authority. This case drew a lot of attention because of Trump's public musings that he might pardon some of his loyalists and other officials who have been caught up in investigations of his administration. For instance, some states have said they plan to prosecute Manafort under their own tax evasion laws should Trump try to pardon him for his federal convictions. That would become a lot harder after yesterday's Supreme Court ruling. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, June 18th. Thanks so much for listening. I'm James Holman. Have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow.